Hey, 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 everybody. It is part two of our recap birthday episode. Uh, we are back. It is the one year anniversary for the I Hate It Here Chicago podcast. It is your girl, Mo to the D to the. I am back to host our second part of our chit chat. Um, and we are here with our favorite cousins, Faye. Hey, 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 hey. This is the one only in the favorite. And Facts. Yo, what's going on? This is Facts. I got everything that you need to know. And together, of course, they're known as the Googles, even though Facts don't like it. The point is, cousins, we are back again. And as you remember, in case you forgot in the last two minutes, it took you to kind of switch over to part two. Bunny Jones will not be joining us. She is off pursuing new opportunities. We're so happy for her. We're so proud of her. And she will continue to support us from the outside of the podcast. Every now and then she may peek her head in, you know, for a little surprise uh, to say hello to our cousins because she's going to miss us as much as we miss her. So we're going to just hop right back into the conversation Part one, we left off talking about what made us sad over the last few months since we've been off the air. We ended the conversation, we ended part one with our fallen stars that we've lost over the last few months. And so we're just going to pick back up with that. Um, What made us sad uh, on top of all of our fallen stars that we've lost, you know, growing up seeing them. Um, and loving them and loving the work that they did. Um, we also have some black issues that are making us sad. They won't let up people. Um, let's just let's start talking about our good brother Amir Locke, uh, which was such an unfortunate case. Fact, facts, can you can you help us understand what was going on with that? For anyone who does not know what's happening with Mr. you know, with our brother Locke, uh, Amir Locke, help us understand what's going on with this. It seems like a broken record, you guys. Every time we turn around, there's a young black male or a black male just in general gunned down by the police. Uh, in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Amir Locke was gunned down in a no-knock warrant by the police. He was 22 years old. This took place on February 2nd. And the police were looking for his cousin on an unrelated uh, murder warrant. Amir Locke was sleeping on the couch when the police barged in. He was startled. They shot him. And it's getting redundant. As a black man, I'm tired of seeing I'm tired of seeing other black men gunned down by police. I know right now that the Minnesota Attorney General is currently weighing charges or trying to find the charges against the police. Uh, people want the police officer fired, but that's not enough. This is the second time, maybe maybe even more, that something's gone on within the Minneapolis Police Department when it comes to racial issues. We already know about what happened with George Floyd. There was actually another issue I remember hearing about, but I can't think of it uh, exactly what happened. Isn't that the same place where they had the protest and... Um the young white uh, individual went and just shot at people, you know, 
according he you know according to him he didn't have any intentions on doing that when he got there but you know he ended up doing it for whatever reason um and he didn't really get charged as much as we would have liked isn't that the same place because they were protesting for george floyd right that's uh actually kyle rittenhouse in wisconsin okay wisconsin okay right that was okay okay mixing it up you see how this stuff can kind of start becoming a pool of just all of it happening just over and over and over. You start to mix up the stories and it's, it's just too much. It's too much. And see, the, my issue with it is this. We've, we've seen what happened when police uh, do no-knock warrants and someone gets killed. Brianna yeah, Taylor. Taylor. That's Breonna the first Taylor. thing you think of. In Chicago, uh, Anjanette Young. Mm-hmm. Now, Amir Locke. Why haven't no-knock warrants been banned? Because well, no. Every- didn't they also do that? Uh, the 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 lady police officer did that, and she said that she thought she she made a mistake and walked to the wrong apartment. Remember oh, that? Oh, that was um, um Bolton Bolton um, Jean, Jean in down in Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why why? This is ridiculous. Why are all these police being able to get off and get away with stuff? If they're human, the the police are human. The the unfortunate victims are human. We can't protect ourselves the way that police uh to the things that police do. And the they protect themselves. Yes, because you're walking in, you're looking for somebody else, but you kill someone. You kill someone else. Somebody should be found liable for that. But then also, doesn't that fade into the stigmatism that all black people look alike? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you if you coming in and you it it takes a quick second to realize, or it should take a quick second to realize that somebody doesn't have a gun. He's popping up off the couch. Where do you see a gun? Not only- well, uh, Amir Locke. Um, from what I understand, he was in bed. He was, you know, he had on his comforter, but he was frightened when they came in on him and he had a gun in his hand you know i mean but you coming in in the middle of the night and there are some people who protect themselves with guns by their nightstand or whatever the case may be and you walk in you see a gun in his hand now if it ain't pointing at you and going off you should not be shooting but as soon as they seen this man with this gun in his hand him startled out of his sleep then they shot him to my understanding yeah, so from because I don't know if y'all seen the footage. I did. I did. So, I saw it. It was too much for me to watch. So it is too much. So from what I seen is they they went in. He was wrapped up in a comforter. I'm not sure if he had headphones on or whatever like that, but he was knocked out. The TV on, and um they turned him over. They seen he had a gun, and then they shot him. Cause and and what was said that and and uh, protecting themselves because he had a gun. But in the video, again, don't base it by me because, you know, everybody has their different opinions on views. It did not seem like he was pointed at the police. But like with anybody, if you're asleep in your home or in a relative's home, you're not going to expect the police is going to barge in there. You know what I'm saying? So even if he was startled, I mean, who not going to be startled by somebody coming into their house? police whoever mm-hmm. so I say that to say that is it's just like it's it's sad that 
we it's like all these situations are reoccurring and we getting them mixed up with like other stuff like how you know with both of John or Gene I, I apologize if I'm miss saying his name um and Brianna Taylor because that's the first thing I thought when I saw this video the same thing happened with her and this is another thing that uh you you can't ignore this fact how does it keep happening to black people only because I'm pretty sure that they're doing no knock warrants on white people. They're doing no knock warrants on Latinos and anybody else. So why is it only black people are the ones that are dying because of police doing no knock warrants? At this point right now, especially the Minneapolis the police department, no knock warrants shouldn't even be a thing. Because your history, your history and your reputation precedes you. Yeah, this story is definitely, definitely making us sad. Um, we are tired of stories like this. It is ridiculous and it just never quits. Our poor black people are so traumatized in so many ways. And we actually had a conversation the other day about, you know, mental mental health issues in the black community um, and how we're dealing with it or if, if we're dealing with it at all. I, I think people are starting to talk about it. But the first step is to just realize that it's there in the first place. And it takes a really long time to get the masses to be able to kind of deal with, you know, the traumas that we we endured over centuries, right? Um, we're just now starting to kind of get all of these videos and, you know, social media is kind of helping us make, you know, bring to light what's been going on all the time. Like, Black people have been talking about these things forever, but, you know, we never had any proof to show the world that this is actually what's happening, right? So social media has definitely been helping us do that in the last, you know, decade, you know, few decades and whatnot. But um, we talked about the mental health issues, um, even in our sports arena, right? Uh, Simone Biles, Naomi, uh, what is it, Osaka? Naomi Osaka, Osaka yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even Shakari Richardson, like, um, remember this conversation, uh, Faith? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you know, it's... Can you tell us what you know about the mental health issues? Kind of even just in our sports arena, right? Okay, because we did touch this before in the previous conversation. So, with... um, So, I'll start off with um, Simone Biles. So, Simone Biles, you know, she's the... She, I think she was declared the most decorated gymnast in this decade, right? Correct? Am I correct on that? Yeah. So, it was it, it, she would so the thing about it was, Simone Biles, she basically took herself out of competition because she didn't feel stable enough to continue on. So, you know, with her, she's, she's a top she's a top performing athlete. There's no question about that. But it seemed like every time she would perform it would be something where like the whole thing about cutting out some of her routine because she was doing it too perfectly and it was unfair to other performers. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So with that at hand, it was, she was in the, in the middle of doing a routine and she had to stop herself because she didn't feel, she didn't feel comfortable completing it. Now, judges, the judges stuff, they was like, they don't understand why They, they try to push her to continue on. But the thing about it was, she was not in the mental space. 
mental capacity is depleted because what a lot of people fail to realize when athletes, if you're not in the right headspace to perform to your best ability, that causes serious injury. Mm-hmm. So with Simone Biles' um, situation, I think she was doing what her one of her signature flips. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna say that, but she didn't she didn't complete it because she said I I need to walk away. I'm not in the in the mental headspace. Later to discover that if she would have went on with that, she would have had a career mm-hmm. career ending injury. So with that, it was like a lot of backlash, just saying you know she should have did it. But then also it put in and. And uh, retrospective, you know, perspective, thank you. Put in perspective, you know, we need to start looking at, at athletes' uh, mentalities here. You know, I've been, I've, I was browsing through a lot of comments when I saw that story. And it amazes me how many people in this country were like, oh, she's not going to compete. She shouldn't be representing the country. That's the reason why she's representing the country and you're not. But again, if you're talking about she shouldn't represent the country, obviously she's doing something right because now you tell her to dumb down her her talents and her techniques just to accommodate the rest of America. And that's not right. That's, and that's not right. You didn't, I mean, let's be honest. You didn't ask Wayne Gretzky to tank, uh, to tune it down when he was playing hockey, Jordan playing basketball, Ken you're Gretzky not gonna, playing baseball. Yeah, no. you're not going to, you're not going to tell, you're not going to ask Michael Jordan to tone down his talents and skills and God rest his soul, Kobe Bryant. You weren't gonna tell him to dumb down his work ethnic. Because, and you know that you it's it's people out there who they only see the black athlete as entertainment. And when it's but when it's time to speak up on issues, no matter if it's racial, if it's mental issues, they they're you know. They'll just flip off at the mouth and just say anything. But you know what, though, I will say, and it's not just Simone Biles, so just to touch on Naomi Osaka. So, you know, she's she's an upcoming uh, tennis star. And you know what really brought her into light was the, the match between her and uh, Serena Williams. Now... I will give Serena. I will give Serena this, and this is what I love about her. So, of course, you know that was the whole match where she was having the pass the torch. Well, no, not just the pass the torch. But that's also when the rest was treating her unfairly. Because mm-hmm. remember, it she was under the microscope because she got angry with the refs and stuff like that, all because she's African American. Because she's African American and she's a woman. But she took that platform and she told Naomi, you know, congratulations, you you did your best and everything like that. Because we were so focused on Serena getting upset and stuff, we taken away from this young sister who just made history. Mm-hmm. So with that and then, you know, that competitive edge she had, now it was expected for her to win. Like, oh, she, she gonna do this, she gonna do that. So then later on, as time progressed, she was performing to her ability, but she was not making those high marks that she was making. Mm-hmm. And that started to take a toll on her, which, you know, that made her sit out like, look, I need a break from this to figure out what I'm going to do. And, you know, the thing about it is not even just not even just in tennis or uh, tennis or um, gymnastics or with the Olympics. I mean, me and you, we actually saw it in uh, Mad MCS when J-Wall backed out of the uh, Thanksgiving tournament. 
because he said that he wasn't in the mental space to play. And all he had was the controller in his hand. So the fact, no matter if you're playing, if you're playing professional Madden or if you're playing tennis, basketball, gymnastics, whatever, as an athlete, you need to be in the mental space in order to perform to your best ability. And some people don't understand that. But what I do like about these young women is they was not afraid to speak up to say, I'm not okay. Oh, absolutely. That I am not okay. And that actually started, you know, even though we had the backlash from the back end, you know, white America, whatever you want to call it, saying that, you know, they should have performed. But it also brought us as a black community together saying, saying, you know, young queens, we support you. Mm-hmm. Go get the help that you need. And I think that really helped jumpstart that having those conversations of mental health in, in, in the black community. Because so at too. a time, at a time, it was more of you don't discuss these things. You either pray about it or you do what you got to do to move on. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of the reason why we have so much trauma because we don't <clears throat> discuss these things. We don't address them. We kind of take it and say, oh, you have to be strong and, you know, sweep it under the rug. And, you you know, black people are not afforded the luxury of having mental illnesses or afforded the luxury to have emotional breakdowns or you know, humans are humans and none of us are perfect. And sometimes we need to take a step back and, and just, you know, get ourselves together, get get our mental together, get our emotions together. It's okay to admit that you're not perfect. And especially people like them, they are under a lot, a, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. And to just kind of push on through it is very unhealthy. It, it's very unhealthy for your mental and it's unhealthy for your physical as well, like you said. I mean, when we think about, we talked about in, I mean, part one of our episode, you know, Britney Spears being under a lot of pressure just just had a, a breakdown. I don't know if there's anything mentally wrong with her, like actual mental health issues, but just even having a mental breakdown or emotional breakdown, these are things that need to be addressed. These are things that can affect your career. These are things that can affect your life. If you don't take some time to get yourself together, I mean, it affects everyone around you. So I commend them sisters for being honest about what they were going through as well. And I am happy to see that our black community stood right behind them. Um, Even with, um, now this is not so much of a, a, a mental health issue with Shakari Richardson. You know, she made a mistake. And, and, you know, she, she paid for her mistake and, you know, whatnot. Um, and even then, they were trying to punish her a little harsher than they've punished people in the past who have done the exact same thing. And by the way, it came up again, correct, uh, Faith? Yeah. It came up again. So with the Sakari Richardson situation, so just to backtrack a little bit in case you've been under a rock somewhere, Shakari Richardson was disqualified from the Olympics due to her use of marijuana. So she came out and said, yeah, she used it because it was a way of her to cope with losing the loss of her biological mother. Okay. So before I get a little bit into that, I don't, I mean, me personally, <laughs> who ain't, who never drank, smoked anything after losing somebody close to them or done anything, you know, to relax them. You're not loud enough, babe. You know what I'm saying? So that's what that's just the gist of what happened. 
also um, the Winter Olympics is, is going on currently, right? Is no, it the Winter? The Winter Olympics are over. It, they're over now? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, it was so it was um, discovered that um, the Russian figure skater with Camila Valaviva, is that how you pronounce her? Valiva. Valiva <laughs> was allowed to compete be, Allowed, allowed to compete after using, you know, uh, a banned the, substance. A banned substance. So Shakari Richardson got wind of it, and she brought it to light. Like, how is it? She's okay to to compete, but when it came to me, I just smoked some weed <laughs> to calm my nerves off of off for over losing a loved one. How's this okay? I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Uh... First of all, I think that I think that initially I thought that Shakari Richardson should have been allowed to race. I still do think that she should have been allowed to race, but on doing some more research, I found out that the that the people who were behind banning Shakari Richardson are not are not the same people who allowed uh, Camila Beliva to skate. So the the anti-doping code allowed Russian figure skater Camila Valiva to skate because she is considered a protected person. She's under the age of 18. She's actually 15 years old. Shakari Richardson, on the other hand, was banned by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, and she's 21. I don't, I don't like it. I mean, I understand there's two different agencies, and they may have two different sets of rules, but when it comes down to it, I feel like Shakari Richardson should have been able to compete. But my thing about it is, yeah, she's uh, she's under eighteen. So what they ruling it as? She had to use it for a medical reason because I heard that she was using it for like a medical reason too, right? Well, I, she was using it for a medical reason dealing with chest pains, but it also had an un an unforeseen side effect. Which even though it was an unforeseen side effect, either I look at it this way: either she should have been banned. Or you should let Shakari Shakari Richardson race now. Even, now, even though uh, this just recently happened, Shakari Richardson, uh, I can see why Shakari Richardson is calling foul. So, so what I'm understanding is basically since she's under the age of 18, which means she has a pass to use this this drug, which means which means it could be under some type of advisement she's allowed to do it but since Shakari Richardson is 21 of age to consent for herself it was just it was just because she is in more of a recreational purposes mm. that's basically the gist I got but either way you spin it I say Shakari Richardson should have been able to run because like you said who hasn't smoked weed before who hasn't drank before but then again I also put that in the same category as if any other athlete will willingly use like a steroid or a performance enhancing drug. Well, weed is not a performance enhancing drug. Well, I'm saying, I'm just saying though, there's athletes after that that willingly do this stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to base it on recreational use, then heck, (laughs) there's a whole lot of athletes that should not be playing right now. This is true. That's the argument. I, I mean, I have really mixed feelings. <clears throat> Her situation, you know, all of this makes me sad because I lost my mother, so I know what that feels like. Um, 
but I have mixed feelings about the whole situation. Um, one, I think that all major sports, you know, I know countries are different and, you know, some places, uh, you know, this is legal, but this is illegal over here. And I mean, I know it gets kind of complicated with that, you know, that type of thing. Um, but I think that when you're playing a sport in whatever country you're playing in, you know, I, I think you should have to abide by that country's rules. You know what I mean? Like you're in their jurisdiction. Okay, weed is terrible over here. We don't play that. But over there, you know, they might play that. You know what I mean? Or, you know, there are uh, certain guidelines with different drugs. I think that if you're for every for every athlete, you should know this person's medical history, right? You should know, okay, what medications are you on? Okay, what medications have a side effect that may cause physical harm if you're doing high performance, you know, physical activity, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, there's no reason why this athlete was taking this drug and y'all didn't know there was an unforeseen side effect and all this other foolishness. I mean, where's the background checks? Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out, you know? And... I'm also, uh, although I was, I felt some type of way with Shikari kind of doing the weed. I, I get it. I get the situation was what it was. I get it. But you also know, and I know she's young, but I can't even use the whole young thing because when you are a high performing athlete, you have to take some responsibility for what you're trying to do. You know, you got to know that that type of drug ain't it, especially before a big race or a big whatever. You know, you about to do the Olympics. Nothing can get in the way of that. You know, no exceptions. I don't care what friends did you have, what siblings was around. Like, there's no way that nobody knew you were doing this. And I mean, I was just a little upset with her because I, I... she made and it was a mistake. I get it was a mistake, but I, I just wish she would have, you know, just waited until after the Olympics to kind of go crazy or, you know, whatever. You know, maybe found a different outlet to kind of deal with the mourning process. I get it. I, I really do. But I just I feel like she didn't have to go through this. Like this this whole situation was unnecessary. She didn't need to go through any of this. It was just weed. It, it could have been something else. You could have done this in a different way. Neither here nor there. You know, my feelings about that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But um, I definitely was sad to see, you know, that they wanted to punish her and keep her from performing. Although they've let other people perform under the same circumstances like Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps was one of the greatest swimmers of all time. He definitely had a drug incident. I think it was steroids, correct? I'm almost sure it was steroids. Yeah. And that's the thing. Steroids is a performance-enhancing drug. Marijuana is not. Marijuana, if anything else, marijuana slows you down. (laughs) So let's just talk about that for a second. The fact that this woman was an awesome, awesome runner but she was on a drug that slows you the hell down. I mean, come on. We got to give her an award for that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like for real, you know. Um, she fast than a mug, okay? But she was on this drug that will literally slow you down. So gotta give her props for that. But I think, you know, at some point, finally the US is coming around with the whole marijuana thing and how it's I mean it's a recreational drug, but makes me sad that she keeps you know kind of being in the media for the wrong reasons because she's so talented you know she's our current our our modern day flojo you know and she's so talented and we should be able to talk about her in a more celebrated manner but every time i hear about her in the media it's always a negative stigma around her name is and it just makes me sad that this always happens to our people yeah yeah it's it's unfortunately too com uh too common and it it, it makes you uh, always ask the question no matter how you read things why is there always an exception when it comes to us yeah absolutely but while we you know while we're talking about uh the Naomi Osaka's and the Simone Biles and the Shakari Richardson I just want to say congratulations to Simone Biles because she just recently got engaged to a uh, a boyfriend, Jonathan Butler. That's awesome. Dope. That is awesome. Yeah, he's definitely been behind her every step of the way uh, with her career and everything in between. I'm just waiting for Naomi Osaka and, Cor- and Corday to be engaged. I love them as a couple. FYI. I mean, it's definitely... You definitely have to have support when you're performing the way that they do. Anything where you're in the limelight, you need a serious support system. That's why we're going to talk about Serena and Venus Williams. We're going to move on to the next conversation about things that made us excited since we've been off the air. Okay? And let's talk about Venus and Serena, how we're not just celebrating them, but we're celebrating their daddy and King Richard. Did y'all see this movie? Yes, it it was it was very it was very good. Will Smith did a hell of a job playing King Richard. Um, I got a I got a favorite scene from that movie, but uh, we'll do, I think we'll divulge into that towards the end of this uh, conversation. Well, maybe not, cause Mo, did you see it? Unfortunately, I did not. You can talk I'm about gonna... it, cause I'm gonna see it eventually anyway. But I'm gonna you need know. you get your life together. I know, I know, but you know what? I remember the reason why this this makes us excited is because Venice and Serena, we've been knowing them since they were about 14, 15 years old. These were very, very young professionals, okay? They were in the professional league in their teen years, okay? These girls still had beads and braids, and they were out here kicking butt in, in, professional, in a professional league. And so we always wonder, okay, how in the world did these girls at 14, 15 years old get to a point where they were kicking butt in beads and braids? And mind you, they are from Compton. These are not some, you know, some kids from, you know, uh, Wimbledon, uh, you know, the area. No, these are not kids who came from money. They came from the hood, okay? And 
They work their butt off to get to where they are. They are national treasures in the tennis world. And uh, Serena is one of the top athletes of all time. And you cannot talk about these two without talking about their daddy. Because their daddy made it happen. And so we needed a movie about the man that created these two tennis ball machines. These tennis ball fighting machines, I'm telling you. I remember when they first started talking about making this movie. And then, boom, 2021, it actually happened. I, I haven't seen it yet, but it's definitely on my list to watch because they've been putting this movie together forever. Please tell us, just a, don't tell us everything, but tell us what was good about the movie. I, I, I heard great things about Will Smith. I think he's getting an award for it, mm-hmm. but um, tell us tell us something about the movie. You know, get us excited to go see it. I'm gonna go see it anyway, but you know, for those of us who haven't seen it and didn't have a desire to see it hopefully we can change our mind go ahead and tell us about it okay so my favorite scene with when you look at the movie in totality this is a very uh very minute scene but i liked it because of the way it was uh the way it was done so uh the entire family is coming back from a tennis tournament uh obviously i think venus won the entire tournament so they come back. No, I'm sorry. It was just uh, it was Richard and Venus and Serena who just came back from a tournament, and their siblings and their mother were at the house. So they come back to the house and they find police officers and social workers there, and they uh, walk in and they say that they've been getting reports that the uh, children are you know unfed, they've been abused, this, that, and the third, and it's not it's totally not the case. So. Uh, they go through they go through you know basic things to show the police and the social worker that none of that's going on and uh, eventually the police officer and social worker leave so I believe that Richard and his wife are standing outside and they see their neighbor across the street now this neighbor is uh, one of those troubling neighbors and their mother walks across the street to her as she's standing outside on the porch and she basically tells her, like, it's a shame that I've never been invited over here. You know, this, that, and the third. But they, but she knows that she was the one who called Child Protective Services and the police. And she basically went up to her and said, don't make me come over here again. Like, just like any good mother would do. And I love that scene so much because it just shows how, you know, how their parents have always had their best interest at heart and that they were willing to go to go the distance to make sure that their daughters are okay. And the re- another reason why that uh, scene was so profound because the neighbor across the street, um, her daughter actually was a prostitute. So it's, I think it was a little hint of jealousy from that neighbor. But that one scene, I loved it. What I would say about the movie is that really overall, we finally get we finally get a movie that shows black fathers in a positive light period always because we always hear the stories of my daddy uh, black father never there they either incarcerated or they embarrassed in the family so actually just to have like a movie that shows uh, uh, a, a black man having the dreams and aspirations for his children and actually helping them enhance it with 
little to no resources. That's just that's just what I love about the movie. Now, now, now I got a question about that before you go on. So, how was that different? Um, kind of that vibe. How was that different than the movie we you know saw called The American Dream about um, the Jackson Five and how hit their father Joe Jackson kind of turned them out of nothing into this major multi-millionaire multi-millionaire group and and worldwide phenomenon how's how was the way king richard did it how was that different than the way the american dream joe jackson did it okay so it's a look to me it's a little bit different because now that's not to take away what joe jackson has done with the jackson family god rest right so that man was a genius but also too we also had to deal with the stories of him running around. Yeah. Okay. Also, the story of him having another kid on the side, but that's for a different episode. And being abusive, right? And being abusive. Okay. See, with King Richard, it with King Richard, it doesn't it doesn't portray that abusive you abusive, neglective, or running around. Now okay, that's not so to it, say that's not to say that didn't happen because we don't know what really happened in their household. Right. But it just focused on it focuses on like uh just literally uh an African American man. Cause I think he originated what out of Mississippi. I think so. Down south, where he literally just was watching TV or or reading magazines and stuff like that about tennis, and he knew his two girls was gonna make it. Mm-hmm. So, so it, also, it it portrayed his genius in a positive light versus the way you know Joe Jackson's uh, genius was kind of portrayed. Yeah, and then also okay. too, we forget Joe Jackson was a musician, so it ain't like he didn't know the right. business. King Richard, he didn't know he never played tennis a day in his life. <laughs> I now that I did not know. Yeah, he never played no tennis. But you know in that movie, one thing I did like, I did like how you were able to uh, see uh, tennis greats throughout the movie being portrayed. You know, oh yeah, your uh, Pete Sampras, your Andy Roddick, your Jennifer Capriati, your uh, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, his last name is McEnroe. I can't remember his first name for some strange reason. Um, but uh, yeah, just to uh, just to see them among the tennis elite. It was, I thought that was pretty cool. But not to cut, not to not give flowers to Will Smith because he's a phenomenal actor. But what we need to d- show, give their flowers to, is the lady that played their mother. Yeah. yeah. I think her name is Andrea Ellis or something like yeah. that. I can never pronounce her name, but she is one hell of an actress. Mm. She need, we need to give her her flowers. And I think I really fell in love with her as an actress when she portrayed, was it? Mo, was it you that I saw the uh, Clock Sisters movie with? Uh, yes. Okay, so so you know who she is. So remember the lady, the young lady that played their mama. Yes, she's in there. She okay. plays she plays the uh, Venus and Serena's mother. Oh, and uh, the tennis greatest John McEnroe. It yeah. just came to me, John McEnroe. Now you thought she was something in the Clark Sisters movie, she baby. Was. Baby, wait till you see King Richard. Good to know. Good to know. So that definitely, you know, thank y'all for that <clears throat> that kind of synopsis. Um, 
of the movie. I'm definitely, I, I always plan to see it. You know, it's just your, your watch list be so long, honey, because I love me some good TV. Um, but I definitely will see King Richard. Um, I've been waiting a long time to see it, and I've heard great things about it. And I'm so glad. What I love about what Venus and Selena did was, you know, they very well could have told a story, you know, from their perspective, you know, uh, just a typical, you know, biography or whatnot. But they definitely just put the focus on their father. And I thought that was really, really dope of them. They didn't have to do it that way. And they, they did it that way. And I, I that's really commendable. That definitely made the culture excited. What else made the culture excited, honey? You cannot, you cannot go on. I can't even wait anymore. I've been waiting for this for so long. We have to talk about the Super Bowl halftime and pre-gospel show. Like, take it away, Faye. Let's go. And, and, because we can't, we can't talk about the Super Bowl without acknowledging Janet Jackson Appreciation Day. Cause that's we'll get to that is. later. Because that's, that's a definite thing. Because that's an actual thing. But, oh my gosh, the Super Bowl. First of all... Shout out to the Rams, 23-20 Super Bowl champion. Yeah, shout out to the Rams for the Super Bowl win. I'm very, I'm very happy for the team because it was a long time coming. Where do I begin, honey, with this, this, this halftime performance? Ooh, First ooh, of all, ooh, are ooh. you going to start with pre-gospel show start there okay so the pre-gospel show which a lot of people don't know this is an actual thing for super bowl because you put me on i didn't know either okay so every year there's a there's a there's a uh super bowl gospel celebration um there have there's been a numerous of stars that stopped by like yolanda adams kurt franklin uh, I believe Warren Sapp was there one year, and basically what I love about it is it's bringing um, gospel music and sports together. So think of it, the best way I describe it is, is to think of it like that that gospel brunch that you always attend to or you always see on TV, but multiply that times five. It's where athletes you know give their testimonies about you know how god has has changed their life or bring them out like these injuries and everything like that so one year so one year i never forget and it's actually it's actually a clip that's still flowing around now i forget his name but he was talking about how he lost his wife 60 days i saw that after they got married and when I tell you that it really hit home, it's because <laughs> people forget, like, yeah, the whole marriage and planning a wedding and stuff like that is fun. But just the just the thought of losing that one special someone that you envision spending your life with is just gone like that. That could be life changing. But um this year. I, I think it was kind of like hybrid because, you know, with the whole pandemic and stuff like that. So you still had in-person, in-person celebration, but also um, over uh, Zoom as well. I'm not entirely sure all the big names are there. I know that um, Mary Mary was honored because they also performed at the Super Bowl as well. Which I heard great things about, by the way. Yes, they killed it. 
Um, also, I think Yolanda Adams was also honored as well. And uh, I know that actually the Rams were Rams players were attendance into that. A lot of them were like Odell Beckham Jr., Aaron Donald. You know, it was just, it was just, I will say, it was just a big, a good, nice celebration. It's good to see, like, athletes out here promoting, you know, their beliefs. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yes, definitely check out that Super Bowl gospel show situation. It is something that happens before the Super Bowl. Yeah. It happens every year, and um, from what I hear, it is really, really inspiring. I always, I never actually see the show. I always just see the clips after. Yeah. But um, eventually, I'm probably just going to watch the show one day, but it really is really, really, really nice. So, now we can get into the Super Bowl halftime. Yes? Tell us what the lineup was. Okay. I hope y'all ready for this. We had Dr. Dre. We had Snoop Dogg. Facts gonna like this. Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick, Kendrick. Oh, my, my bad. This morning. <laughs> we also had 50 Cent. Surprise, nigga. Surprise. Mary J. Blige. Eminem. And we also had Anderson Pack. On the drums. On the drums. I was about to say, where was he at? I don't remember this. He was sitting there on the, on the drums. drums. Okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> so. So. Hello. 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 sad that she keeps you know kind of being in the media for the wrong reasons because she's so talented you know she's our current our our modern day flojo you know and she's so talented and we should 
be able to talk about her in a more celebrated manner. But every time I hear about her in the media, it's always a negative stigma around her name. It's, and it just makes me sad that this always happens to our people. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's unfortunately too com uh too common and it, it, it makes you uh, always ask the question, no matter how you read things, why is there always an exception when it comes to us? Yeah. Absolutely. But, but while we're, you know, while we're talking about uh, the Naomi Osaka's and the Simone Biles and the Shikari Richardson, I just want to say congratulations to Simone Biles because she just recently got engaged to a, a boyfriend, Jonathan Butler. That's awesome. So... That is awesome. Yeah, he's definitely been behind her every step of the way uh, with her career and everything in between. I'm just waiting for Naomi Osaka and and Corday to be engaged. I love them as a couple. FYI. I mean, it's definitely... You definitely have to have support when you're performing the way that they do. Anything where you're in the limelight, you need a serious support system. That's why... We're going to talk about Serena and Venus Williams. We're going to move on to the next conversation about things that made us excited since we've been off the air. Okay? And let's talk about Venus and Serena, how we're not just celebrating them, but we're celebrating their daddy and King Richard. Did y'all see this movie? Yes. yes. It, it was It was very. It was very good. Will Smith did a hell of a job playing King Richard. Um, I got a, I got a favorite scene from that movie, but uh, we'll do, I think we'll divulge into that towards the end of this uh, conversation. Or maybe not, because Mo, did you see it? Unfortunately, I did not. We can't talk uh, about You can talk about it, because I'm going to see it eventually anyway. But I'm going to need you to get your life together. I know, I know. But you know what? I remember the reason why this, this makes us excited is because Venice and Serena, we've been knowing them since they were about 14, 15 years old. These were very, very young professionals, okay? They were in the professional leagues in their teen years, okay? These girls still had beads and braids, and they were out here kicking butt in in professionally in a professional league. And so we always wonder, okay, how in the world did these girls at 14, 15 years old get to a point where they were kicking butt in beads and braids. And mind you, they are from content. These are not some, you know, some kids from, you know, uh, Wimbledon, uh, you know, the area. No, these are not kids who came from money. They came from the hood, okay? And they worked their butt off to get to where they are they are national treasures in the tennis world. And uh, Serena is one of the top athletes of all time. And you cannot talk about these two without talking about their daddy. Because their daddy made it happen. And so we needed a movie about the man that created these two tennis ball machines. These tennis ball fighting machines, I'm telling you. I remember when they first started talking about making this movie and then boom, 2021, it actually happened. I I haven't seen it yet, but it's definitely on my list to watch because they've been putting this movie together forever. 
please tell us just a, don't tell us everything but tell us what was good about the movie I, I I heard great things about Will Smith I think he's getting an award for it mm-hmm. but um tell us tell us something about the movie you know get us excited to go see it I'm gonna go see it anyway but you know for those of us who haven't seen it and didn't have a desire to see it hopefully we can change our mind go ahead and tell us about it okay so my favorite scene with when you look at the movie in totality this is a very uh very minute scene but i liked it because of the way it was uh the way it was done so uh the entire family is coming back from a tennis tournament uh obviously i think venus won the entire tournament so they come back no i'm sorry it was just uh it was richard and venus and serena who just came back from a tournament and their siblings and their mother were at the house so they come back to the house and they find police officers and social workers there and they uh, walk in and they say that they've been getting reports that the uh children are you know unfed they've been abused this that and the third and it's not it's totally not the case so uh they go through they go through you know basic things to show the police and the social worker that none of that's going on and uh eventually the police officer and social worker leave so i believe that richard and his wife are standing outside and they see their neighbor across the street now this neighbor is uh one of those troubling neighbors and their mother walks across the street to her as she's standing outside on the porch and she basically tells her, like, it's a shame that I've never been invited over here. You know, this, that, and the third. But they, but she knows that she was the one who called Child Protective Services and the police. And she basically went up to her and said, don't make me come over here again. Like, just like any good mother would do. And I love that scene so much because it just shows how, you know, how their parents that always had that best interest at heart and that they were willing to go to go the distance to make sure that their daughters are okay. And the re- another reason why that uh, scene was so profound because the neighbor across the street, um, her daughter actually was a prostitute. So it's, I think it was a little hint of jealousy from that neighbor. But that one scene, I loved it. What I would say about the movie is that really overall, we finally get, we finally get a movie that shows black fathers in a positive light period because we, we always hear the stories of my daddy uh, black father never there they either incarcerated or they buried in the family so actually to, to have like a movie that shows a, 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 a black man having the dreams and aspiration for his children and actually helping them enhance it with little to no resources that's just that's just what I love about the movie now, 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 I got a question about that before you go on. So, how was that different? Um, kind of that vibe. How was that different than the movie we, you know, saw called The American Dream about um, the Jackson Five and how hit their father Joe Jackson kind of turned them out of nothing into this major multi-millionaire, multi-millionaire group and and worldwide phenomenon. How's how was the way? King Richard did it. How was that different than the way the American Dream Joe Jackson did it? Okay, so it's a to me it's a little bit different because 
Now, that's not to take away what Joe Jackson has done with the Jackson family. God rest right. his soul, that man was a genius. But also, too, we also had to deal with the stories of him running around. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also, the story of him having another kid on the side. But that's for a different episode. And being abusive, right? And being abusive. Okay. See, with King Richard, it with King Richard, it doesn't it doesn't portray that abusive you abusive, neglective, or running around. Now okay, that's so not it, to say that's not to say that didn't happen because we don't know what really happened in their household. Right. But it just focused on it focuses on like <laughs> Uh, just literally uh, an African American man because I think he originated what out of Mississippi. I think so. Down south, where he literally just was watching TV or, or reading magazines and stuff like that about tennis, and he knew his two girls was gonna make it. Mm-hmm. So, so it, also- it it portrayed his genius in a positive light versus the way you know Joe Jackson's uh, genius was kind of portrayed. Yeah, and then also too, we forget Joe Jackson was a musician, so it ain't like he didn't know the business. King Richard, he didn't know, he never played tennis a day in his life. (laughs) I now that I did not know. Yeah, he never played no tennis. But you know that movie. One thing I did like, I did like how you were able to uh, see uh, tennis greats throughout the movie being portrayed. You know, oh yeah, yeah, Pete Sampras, your Andy Roddick, your Jennifer Capriati, your. uh, God, what's his name? Uh, his last name is McEnroe. I can't remember his first name for some strange reason. Um, but uh, yeah, just to, uh, just to see them among the tennis elite, it was, I thought that was pretty cool. But not to cut, not to not give flowers to Will Smith because he's a phenomenal actor. But what we need to show, give their flowers to, is the lady that played their mother. Yeah. yeah, I think her name is Andrea Ellis or something like yeah. that. I can never pronounce her name, but she is one hell of an actress. Mm. She need we need to give her her flowers, and I think I really fell in love with her as an actress when she portrayed. Was it Mo? Was it you that I saw the uh, Clock Sisters movie with? Uh, yes. Okay, so so you know who she is. So remember the lady, the young lady that played their mama. Yes, she's in there. She okay. plays she plays the uh, Venus and Serena's mother. Oh, and uh, the tennis greatest, John McEnroe. It yeah. just came to me, John McEnroe. Now, you thought she was something in the Clark Sisters movie? She Baby. Was. Baby, <laughs> wait till you see King Richard. Good to know. So that definitely, you know, thank y'all for that <clears throat> that kind of synopsis um, of the movie. I'm definitely, I, I always plan to see it. You know, it's just your your watch list be so long, honey, because I love me some good TV. Um, but I definitely will see King Richard. Um, I've been waiting a long time to see it, and I've heard great things about it. And I'm so glad. What I love about what Venus and Serena did was. You know, they very well could have told a story, you know, from their perspective, you know, uh, just a typical, you know, biography or whatnot. But they definitely just put the focus on their father. And I thought that was really, really dope of them. They didn't have to do it that way. And they, they did it that way. And I, I that's really commendable. 
that definitely made the culture excited. What else made the culture excited, hun? You cannot, you cannot go on. I can't even wait anymore. I've been waiting for this for so long. We have to talk about the Super Bowl halftime and pre-gospel show. Like, take it away, Faye. Let's go. And, and, because we can't, we can't talk about the Super Bowl without acknowledging Janet Jackson Appreciation Day. Cause that's we'll get to that is. later. Because that's, that's a definite thing. Because that's an actual thing. But, oh my gosh, the Super Bowl. First of all... Shout out to the Rams, 23-20 Super Bowl champion. Yeah, shout out to the Rams for the Super Bowl win. I'm very, I'm very happy for the team because it was a long time coming. Where do I begin, honey, with this 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 halftime performance? Ooh, First ooh, of ooh, all, ooh. are you going to start with the pre-gospel show? Start there. Okay, so the pre-gospel show... Which a lot of people don't know. This is an actual thing for Super Bowl because you put me on. I didn't know it either. Okay, so every year there's a there's a there's a uh, Super Bowl gospel celebration. Um, there have there's been a numerous of stars that stopped by, like y- Yolanda Adams, Kurt Franklin. Uh, I believe Warren Sapp was there one year, and basically what I love about it is. Is bringing um, gospel music and sports together. So think of it, the best way I describe it is, is to think of it like that that gospel brunch that you always attend to or you always see on TV, but multiply that times five. It's where athletes, you know, give their testimonies about you know how God has has changed their life or bring them out of, like these injuries and everything like that. So one year, so one year I never forget, and it's actually it's actually a clip that's still flowing around now. I forget his name, but he was talking about how he lost his wife sixty days. I after, saw that after they got married, and when I tell you that really hit home, it's because <laughs> people forget, like yeah, the whole marriage and planning a wedding and stuff like that. It's fun, but just the just the thought of losing that one special someone that you envision spending your life with is just gone like that. That could be life changing. But um, this year, I I think it was kind of like hybrid because you know with the whole pandemic and stuff like that. So you still had in person in person celebration, but also um. Oh, but uh, Zoom as well. I'm not entirely sure all the big names are there. I know that um, Mary Mary was honored because they also performed at the Super Bowl as well. Which I heard great things about, by the way. Yes, they killed it. Um, Also, I think Yolanda Adams was also honored as well. And... uh. I know that actually the Rams were Rams players were attendance into that. A lot of them were, like Odell Beckham Jr., Aaron Donald. You know, it was just it was just I would say it was just a big a good nice celebration. It's good to see like athletes out here promoting you know their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. 
Yes, definitely check out that Super Bowl gospel show situation. It is something that happens before the Super Bowl. Yeah. It happens every year. And um, from what I hear, it is really, really inspiring. I always, I never actually see the show. I always just see the clips after. Yeah. But um, eventually, I'm probably just going to watch the show one day. But it really is really, really, really nice. So now we can get into the Super Bowl halftime. Yes. Tell us what the lineup was. Okay, I hope y'all ready for this. We had Dr. Dre. We had Snoop Dogg. Facts gonna like this. Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick, Kendrick. Oh, my, my bad, there's more. <laughs> we also had 50 Cent. Surprise, niggas. Surprise. Mary J. Blige. Eminem. And... We also had Anderson Pack on the drums. On the drums. I was about to say, where was he at? I don't remember this. He was sitting there on the, on the drums. drums. Okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, I don't know where to start. So the halftime performance, right? Epic, but major proportions. So we had Dr. Dre. We had Snoop Dogg. We had Auntie Mary J. Blige. Facts gonna like this one. We had Kendrick Lamar. Be humble. (laughs) We had Eminem. And we had 50 Cent and Addison Pat. Anderson, when did we have? I didn't see him. He was on the drums. He was on the drums. Yeah. Did they announce this? Because no, I didn't know didn't. that. So they didn't. Okay. So technically, they didn't. They didn't announce an Anderson pack, and they technically didn't announce Fifty Cent and um. They were like surprised. Yeah, they was like surprised. So it was. Yeah, I know Fifty was, but Anderson Pack was there. Yeah, he was on the drums. So, 50 Cent was a surprise, and also the surprise kind of got leaked. <laughs> so who? Because I didn't hear about it. So, I think it was Portia Williams who sports the, spilled the beans, saying that it was going to be 50 Cent and a hologram of Tupac there. Of course, we didn't have a, two, a hot, Tupac hologram, but we had 50 Cent. They should have had the hologram. That would have been dope. So I know y'all probably like, okay, so this is a real star studded, star studded lineup. What is the what's the concept of this? So y'all ready to, to hear the concept? Cause I think I figured it out. Mm-hmm. I think I did too. So Dr. Dre, so Dr. Dre was the main was the main star performer of the Super Bowl. But of course, Dr. Dre is known for his collaborations. So his one so his main collaborations was, of course, with Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. Then also he worked with Mary J. Blige. Let's get it off the phone now. On, on the phone in this dancery. Yeah. I was so sick of that damn song. But I get it. It was her, like one of her biggest hits. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he helped he helped create that. Okay. Then, then of course, you know, he 
he put Eminem on Shady Aftermath. Y'all remember mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Then of course Shady Aftermath came back after that came 50 Cent. Go, 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 Shorty. It's your birthday. Mm-hmm. That was a Dr. Dre collab. Yeah. Yeah. He produced yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. And of course, past meets present. So the present is Kendrick Lamar. He had his hand in Kendrick Lamar's career too. I figured because at first I was like I like I did like the way they told the the concept of the story. You know, I liked the house they had in Compton and it was all about Dr. Dre. And you know, I, I understood all that. But then when we went to the East Coast with 50 and it, I was like, well, I don't, I'm lost now, but now I, you know, cause I sat there for a minute. I'm like, oh, I think Dr. Dre has something to do with, you know, all the music that was played that night or, you know, whatever. Um, it was probably kind of an ode to Dr. Dre. See, I had figured it out before you told us, Fave, you know, but at first it didn't make sense, but I get it. I think they could have. I like the storyline they had. I like the concept they had, but I think they could have did it better so that everybody could understand why all these different artists were there. Because to me, my personal opinion, I think it was just too many people. I ain't gonna lie. Um, I really wanted to focus. I think you shouldn't have no more than two stars at a Super Bowl halftime. So we can kind of focus on you know their performances rather than one or two you know songs or whatever. But uh, it was a star-studded performance, and they all did a really, really good job. And I did like the concept of kind of, you know, this was all about Dr. Dre, you know, because he is huge in our community. He is huge in the music industry, period. He's done a lot. So it was nice to see something dedicated to just him. But and, I wish I would have known that from the beginning. I didn't I didn't know what the hell was going on. And also, <laughs> and also it was a great way to give him his flowers where he could still enjoy them. Because remember, he survived the whole brain aneurysm. So for him to, you know, beat that and still have the memory of all his hit songs, mm-hmm. that's something right there. And also, this is not the first time we had multiple celebrities headline a Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, I wouldn't know. Did you forget about Beyonce? It was Beyonce and um, what you call it? Bruno, uh, Bruno, Bruno Mars. Mars. That's people. You have you have Bruno Mars. You had Beyonce. You had features from Destiny's Child. You also had was that the one Missy Elliott was there with Big Boy? No, that was last year. That was last year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean it's not the first time. And then of course. You know, you had, well, I guess I can't really say that. I mean, you had Janet with the surprise guest of uh, Justin Timberlake, but then also Nelly was a headliner, Kid Rock was a headliner, and Diddy was there. So that was technically, you know, a multi-superstar headlining show. Could be. I, I don't know. Maybe. It's not the first time. Okay, um, I didn't like it, but I I thought they all did a really good job, and that fifty surprise was really dope. Um, him and then what? It was really cool the way he came out because in that video he was upside down, so he kind of surprised us with an upside down performance of that song, and I thought that was really really cool. A lot of people thought it was really really cool. 
Um, people tried to make fun of him kind of being a little thicker than normal. But, I mean, come on. He still looks really good for his age. He looks amazing, actually. Um, better than he did back in the past, you know, when he was wearing all the bulletproof vests and all of that foolishness. But um, they were saying, like, 50 cents to, like, a dollar. You're like, you know, just real ignorant. You know, people are always trying to fat shame people. But, of course, he went on Instagram and is trying to fat, you know, he let people know, you can't fat shame me. You know what I'm saying? So... And basically um, said, y'all making fun of me, but y'all probably owe me some money for real. Because let's, let's not forget, people owe 50 cent money apparently yeah. all the time. But, you know, people all, they're always trying to fat shame somebody, you know. But this man is in his 40s. He looks damn good for his, you know, he looks really, really good. He's very in shape. You know, if anything, he's all muscle thickness versus, you know, like flabby fat, you know, like the rest of us. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like that's what I was going to say. It looked like he's just been hitting the waist because his arms look huge. Yeah, he's huge. Kind of like, who else was that that got really, really big over the years? Not Dr. Dre, the other one. What is his name, Lord? I can't think of his name. Well, he you got know, that's, what, that's what happened with LL Cool J. When he first came out, he was skinny, mini, and then over the years, his arms and stuff got huge. Uh, what you probably did, too? Busta Rhymes. Chris Brown. Chris Brown. Yeah, because look at Chris Brown when he first came out, and then look at him now. He definitely was hitting the weights. Well, to be fair, Chris Brown was 16. I mean, that's different. <laughs> he was, he was had a little baby bird chest still. You know, we, eh. I'm talking about somebody that got like upset, like huge, and we ooh, just didn't even ooh, know who they were. Method Man. Method Man. Yeah, Method Man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ultimate, um, Ultimate Zaddy. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. Is it Dr. Dre? Is it really Dr. Dre that really got? Because I'm thinking of somebody. It might be Dr. Dre, where it was like one minute I saw them, and the next minute I saw them, they were like beyond huge, almost like steroid huge. Um, it might have. What? No, it wasn't Dr. Dre. Was it? Anyway, the point is the Super Bowl halftime show, all about Dr. Dre. It was amazing. I thought. Um, Mary J. Blige's outfit was fire. Did y'all like, like her outfit? I thought it was pretty cool, and I, I'm not gonna lie. In my where I would put uh, that Super Bowl halftime performance, I would definitely put it in the top five. I put it up there with uh, Prince, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, who was another good one? Prince, Michael Jackson, uh. I put Beyonce up there when I thought they had a really good one. I put Beyonce up there, and it was one more dollar. Well, you can't forget about on Janet. You can't forget about Beyonce because that's when the lights went out. That's when Calm Ed gave them half of their lights. <laughs> I de- but I definitely put it up there as one of the top five Super Bowl performances I've seen. Yeah. Um. What else was really good? Uh. It was really good to see Eminem. Um, I heard that they told Eminem not to kneel, but Eminem, well, they told them not to kneel through the whole kneeling thing, but Eminem was like, I'm going to do it anyway. And he did. I did mean, y'all know that? Well, from what Dr. Dre said, he said uh, he didn't know that Eminem was going to kneel, but that was just on Eminem. Yeah, but it's crazy that the one white guy was still on that, but everybody else wasn't. I actually saw some comments about that, 
um, that some people are upset that, you know, one minute we're boycotting the Super Bowl and the next minute we're back all performing like nothing ever happened, you know. Um, and then the one white guy kind of brought it back like, yeah, we ain't forgot. And everybody else just kind of just, it's like nothing ever happened. Well, I don't think anybody—I don't think anybody else knew that Eminem was going to kneel, and I—I well, also—I also think that Eminem was also doing it uh, in memory of Tupac, because if my memory serves me correctly, Dre was playing the uh, playing the notes uh, or the tune to uh, "California Love." So that he was. Could, I mean, that could that that could definitely be a theory, but like I said, I heard that it it, it wasn't that you know that that might have been like a plus but i heard that it was more of a Kaepernick thing i mean we'll never really know not for real because they're not gonna let her make a statement about that but unless unless they make a documentary years down the line Mm -hmm. but it was cool to see Mm -hmm. Um, and also people were what I heard that people didn't care for was um the fact that he played like Dr. Dre played like two seconds of a Tupac song and you know they wanted a little more of a Tupac kind of memorable moment even if you know even if they didn't do the whole hologram thing they wanted a little bit more um when it came to Tupac it would have been nice to even put him up on the screen or something like that you know um but they felt like they didn't get enough of, you know, because Tupac was very Compton, you know what I'm saying? He was West Coast all day. So it would have been nice to kind of see that. And they also, which you probably will never get, Dr. Dre and Ice Cube kind of performing together, but people thought that Ice Cube, it would have been a really nice surprise to kind of get Ice Cube to kind of come out. What do you guys think about that? I think we've been cool and this it's not a far-fetched idea because Obviously, Dr. Dre and Ice Cube are cool. Okay, so <laughs> I get, I guess it's just because the person that I am, I'm always looking into like history and stuff like that. I think I know where you're about to go, Faith, but go ahead. <laughs> I think I know where you're about to go. First of all, yes, we will all like to see more of a Tupac, you know, memory thing. But what listeners got to understand is there's a whole, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, fact? It's a whole ownership thing with that. Oh, yeah. Like, granted, yeah, Dr. Dre would have produced these songs and stuff like that. But if he ain't got no access to no masters or tupac's estate is over it and they released it you can't play nothing that's right and i I felt like it was a legal thing too right now granted yeah granted snoop dogg is he did he had he does have um death row records now but he only has access to so much stuff things change over the years Mm -hmm. you get what i'm saying so i mean i get the frustration on one or more of a tupac thing but you got to understand Tupac, Tupac's music, masters, and all that stuff—it's not—it's not easy to access. Absolutely. Wait a minute. I thought Ray J had a death row. Like, how did this even? What is? What is going on? 
Well, I don't know who had it before Snoop got it. All I know. Oh is no, no, no! It. You want to know who had Death Row Records before? Ray J. No. Well, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't a uh, Suge Knight. No. Who? Mattel had Death Row Records. Oh, Mattel had. Mattel had Death Row Records. The toy company. Yep, sure did. I forgot about that. Sure did. So wait, I thought. So what happened to Ray J? Is he no longer Death Row? First of all, I don't. I never heard of Ray J having Death Row. Yeah. Okay, you know what? F- facts. Can you look this up real quick? Because I could swear that Ray J had Death Row. The last listed previous owner of Death Row Records was Mattel. Which that is hilarious, by the way. I forgot all about that. That is hilarious. I don't know what made Mattel decide that this was a great investment. <laughs> I mean, you can see why. Shoot, they probably was gonna make some kids gangster bop CDs. Horrible, horrible. <laughs> you know how they got kids bop. They was gonna make gangster kid bop. Now, uh, so Ray J didn't own it. Uh, Hasbro Toy Company uh, owned it and uh, appointed Ray J to run it. So he just oh. ran it. Oh my god. So now Snoop Dogg has it. Yeah, that so is Snoop. so interesting. So Snoop, uh, so Snoop bought Death Row from Hasbro. But you know what though, I ain't, I'm not even mad at it because that's an ultimate. Thank oh, you. I got you back, blanky blank. Because you know, Suge, he he he's was ruthless. He was ruthless. So for Snoop Dogg to have his company, the take over ownership of the company of, from a man that treated them wrong, I ain't mad at it. So you know what that means? That Snoop uh, Snoop owns uh, Dr. Dre's music. Not necessarily. No, remember because remember at the end of uh, Straight Outta Compton when he was like, uh, "I own all his music, all that stuff." What are you gonna call that bullshit? And he turned around and he was like the aftermath, and that was the end of the movie. Hmm. So, so like I said, things changed over the years. So it's you know all that could have been sorted out. There's always loopholes and stuff. Because remember, uh, Master P was able to get Snoop Dogg out of his contract because of loopholes, stuff like that. And he wasn't afraid of Suge. All this to say, the Super Bowl halftime show was lit lit. We can't, we can't skip talking about um, Kendrick Lamar because he did an awesome performance as well. Uh, Marquise, you want to speak about that for a little bit? My favorite part is when he, um, at the end of his performance, he kind of went into one of Dre's songs. He, you know, did a couple bars because at first I was like, "That sounded like a Dre song," and it and it kind of transitioned into a Dre song. But it was cool to see how he, how it was sound on, you know, coming off of him, you know, his song. So it was pretty deep. You want to talk about that for a second? Well, first of well, well, first of all, mahogany locks. We're gonna implement something new this season, okay? What? The next time you give one of our government names out on this on this podcast, one more time. What what did I say? You said Fax's real name. I did not. Yes, you did. Oh. (laughs) I don't worry. I'll just cut that out. Fax, can you? We gonna start charging. We gonna start charging your ass twenty five cent. Matter of fact, look. Okay, so look. Next, if you hear any one of us use each other real names, we're gonna put it into a pot. 
and by the end of the end of the this season, we're gonna see who wins this pot. God. So this uh so y'all know I'm the uh huge Kendrick Lamar fan. So every song <laughs> so every song that he was performing, I was singing it word for word. His uh performance was dope. Uh, I like the outfit that he had and the background dancers. I definitely like the the whole thing with the uh, cardboard boxes that was created. It definitely it was definitely the highlight of my uh halftime full experience and I was excited ever since I found out that he was performing. Cause I've been waiting on his CD since the Black Panther album. Kendrick drop something, man. Well, the hat like I said, the halftime show was definitely super lit. And we can't end this episode without talking about one last thing that super excited us over the last few months. Um and we can't talk about the Super Bowl without talking about Janet Jackson, because yes. the Super Bowl is Janet Jackson's day, okay, period. Black people not letting it go. And so we were super excited to see that she dropped a documentary about her life, you know, coming straight from the horse's mouth. Let's just talk two, three minutes top about this documentary. Faith, give it to us. Well, before Faith gets started, I just wanted to let you guys know on this topic, I actually got a chance to go visit the Jackson family home. And it's way different to see it in person than it is like on TV or anything like that. And you know, I told him he got to go. He got to. We got to take a trip back so he can take me. But that's. <laughs> but that's. You talking about the one in Gary? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. First of all, y'all know how long I've been waiting for this documentary. Okay. All right. Second of all, I was front and center. Look, Miss Jackson, if you listen to this podcast right now. I I've been telling I've been telling these two and I've been telling Bunny Jones too. I am your future background dancer and your hype woman. Whenever you need me, I'm ready. Okay? <laughs> I am ready. All right. You look, you might as well make it official since you already posted me in one of your tweets for real. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm just ready. But anyway, so, first of all, I don't like how it was advertised, first of all, about the setup. So, cousins, y'all was confused. So, yes, it was a two-day special, but it was four parts. <laughs> Instead of them just saying it's a four-part series, they just said it's a two-day. I'm about to I'm about to hit facts. <laughs> it's a two-day, it's a two-day special. So we're gonna talk about part one real quick. Part one was really action-packed. Some of the takeaways you got to get from this is number one, <laughs> Janet. <laughs> Janet was adamant not to use her last name Jackson when she first started being in the limelight as a singer. Don't blame her. Okay. Number two, there was a healthy competition between her and Michael. Now that I didn't know, but I guess it makes sense. It's no surprise. It's a healthy competition, but you know they were supportive of each other. Number three, she she does not have a daughter for real, based on her words. So of course, you know, uh, James the Barge is saying that they got a secret love child together, right? She officially addressed that room and she said, she said, "What kind of mother would I be to keep a child from their father?" Mm. There's no, there's no child here. The only child that I have is the one y'all know about. 
and mm. people were speculating that because around the time when she was on fame, she started to kind of gain weight. But she said that she had started birth control, and we all know that birth control can do that to you. So you know what? We're not gonna start on birth control because yeah. <sighs> A sister had a scare with birth control, but that's neither here nor there. So, what? So, yeah, there's no secret love child. Uh, what else? She really was never asked to sing, to have a singing career. What she wanted to do was she wanted to go to college. Right. I forget what she wanted to do, though, but it wasn't nothing dealing with being a limelight, but she did prefer being an actress over a singer, though. Wasn't right? Didn't she say, uh, she said something along the lines of engineering? I don't think it was engineering, but, but it, was it was something, something it was something that was like, yeah, she she's very, very academic, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty much a part one. Part two, now, okay, this is where we get the nitty gritty stuff. First of all, I'm with Black Twitter, we're on this. Janet, you could tell us to forgive Justin Timberlake, but we still angry. We still mad. We still mad. So apparently, from what I gathered from it was, she told her friend not to say anything about Nipplegate. That's what we're going to call it. Nipplegate. And I took it as, you know, Justin Timberlake, he was still, this was around the time he was starting to be established as a solo artist. Am I right? right? Mm-hmm. So the way I took it as she was basically saving her friend's career from ending before it even got started. Now, I I know y'all might have some mixed op- opinions about that, but me, mm, I could see I could see why you did why she did that, but also at the same time too, I'm still mad because I feel like they didn't have to do her like that. You gotta remember, this is America with three Ks. That's all I got to say. But then also, too, there's another documentary out that just specifically talks about that situation. I forget what it's called, but it's um through the A and E network. And matter of fact, it's on Hulu right now. It's like it's based on breaking news, and then it talk. It actually breaks down like the whole logistics of, of that. But again, that's a different topic. Also, we learned why Jermaine Dupree and Janet Jackson broke up. Because he cheated. He cheated. Well, you know what? What I got from it was he he was a cheater, but I think they were dealing with that. Like, she was working with him on that. But what made him her want to break up with him is that at the time, Jermaine Dupree was real hot in the, in the producer game. He was, he was getting out there. He had a lot going on at the time. And he was still kind of in that young man phase. He wasn't that young, but he was still living that that Hollywood life. Partying, drinking, smoking, being with everybody. He wasn't trying to settle down. And Janet Jackson was trying to settle down. She wanted to be with him. And he never made the time. And when they were together, he would sleep. You know, they didn't have a... She felt like they didn't have a relationship. And so... That is that was the last straw on top of cheating, from what I gathered. But <laughs> I did notice one thing, though. Now I'm about to have everybody go look back at this documentary. So the question, I just got a question: Are they together or not now, or are they engaged? Because I mean, in the in the segment with him in it, 
it had him listed as Jermaine Dupree, and then underneath it said Janet's fiance, not ex fiance or nothing like that. It had fiance, so I just want to know: are they, are they, are they trying? Are they, did they rekindle something? Are they trying to rekindle something? I just want to know. Yeah, that I is. Know, a good... <laughs> okay, stay here. Would you say, Mo, before this? I said, yeah, that's definitely, definitely a good question. I, I definitely had that question as well, and I haven't seen anybody address it. That's all right. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send her a message. I, I think I'm a. I think I can honestly answer that. I mean, because she was, uh, she did marry the, uh, the. I, I don't want to incorrectly you know, say his nationality, but I think he was Saudi Arabian. The, the billionaire that she was married to? Oh, he was a Qatari billionaire. Qatari, I'm sorry, Qatari. Um, but I think uh, she realized that, yeah, that wasn't it. So, I think, I honestly think that uh, her and Jermaine probably uh, you know, are engaged. It's just, they're just keeping it very low-key. I mean, Jermaine Dupree has toned his lifestyle down a lot. He out here being promoted, being vegan and stuff like that, and got his own vegan product line. So, hey. But make no mistake, though. I know y'all cutting. I can't stand him. The point is, okay, these are the things that made us excited since we've been off the air. And we just want to take the time to thank y'all for sticking with us for three seasons. Well, this third, all the way up until the third season. Thank you for continuing to support us and be there for us. Um, And we're going to continue to be there for you as well. Always letting you know what's going on in the culture, for the culture. We all about the culture. All about upliftment. And, And even though we didn't say anything about Chicago today, all of this stuff we talked about today definitely hits all of us, even in Chicago, all around the world. So Thank you for sticking with us and, and chatting with us and listening to our foolishness because it's a lot of it all the time. It's a quite quite an ignorant show. <laughs> Thank you so and, much. And plus, even though we ain't talked about Chicago, we still hate it here. We, we still hate it. <laughs> only, <laughs> but with only when it's cold outside. Yeah, the winters are quite crappy and harsh here. It's been, this has been a pretty good winter, by the way. So I can't complain. It only snowed one good time. So maybe two. Yeah. yeah. Not compared to last year. Last year was death on a stick. Okay. But this this was, this was has been a pretty good winter. So I can't complain. Chicago has been good to us so far. Um, but thank you again for kicking it with us. We are going to end this recap birthday episode. It was our biggest episode yet. Um, and it's your girl, the hostess with the mostest, most of the G to the mahogany lots. And we are here with the Googles. Who are you, Googles? This is your one Nully and your oh, favorite. Lord. Hopefully, hopefully, since this this time we had passed between us, I'm still your favorite. But if I ain't your favorite, oh, hopefully now I am your favorite. And this is your boy Facts. I'm a walking library. Frickly ask questions. Yay. <laughs> hey, Again, what? Wait, 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 wait. Now we, we gotta do better with this now. How can they hit us? How can they hit us up? Oh. <laughs> right. That that's the question I was supposed to ask. How can they find us, y'all? You can hit us up on Facebook. 
I Hate It Here Chicago. Or, so, or, freaky ass questions, what if they can send their questions and comments concerns to? You can hit us up in our email. You can email us at thepeanutsgang7 at gmail.com. That is thepeanutsgang7 at gmail.com. Now, is that the number seven? That is the number seven. All right. And, and coming soon near you is the YouTube channel. Ooh. We about to have visuals soon, y'all. Oh, y'all get to see the actual ratchetness that we go through, man. You can see every eye booger, messed up hair. I'm uncomfortable with that. Maybe your eye oh. boogers. <laughs> Please. Oh, God. But, but before we wrap up this uh, podcast, I just want to spend a, send a couple of shout outs. Shout out to LeBron James on becoming the NBA's league leader in points in NBA history. He surpassed Woo-hoo! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's Woo-hoo! got over 40,000 points. But we also got to send out a special happy birthday to the greatest of all time. No, not LeBron, but Michael Jordan. Happy 59th birthday to number 23 in red. Well, thank you for your shout outs. At the end of our episode, you know his timing ain't never right. It ain't never right. (laughs) Oh, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. It is your girl. Smoke to the G to the, and we are out. Gang, gang. Y'all some trolls, man.